Lord God, we thank you for this news that is great joy for all the world, that Jesus has come and in so doing reflects your love and your compassion for the world that you desire to be uh, around and with you so deeply. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I learned how to ski when I was in college. Now, up to that point in my life, I really wasn't that interested in learning how to ski. But uh, when this really pretty girl invited me to go skiing and offered to give me lessons, well, how could I refuse an offer like that? Uh, well, we started on a little hill that was off to the side of this ski lift, and she gave me some basic skills. And then after about a half hour or so basic training, we got in line, slowly moved our way to the front of the line, and then pushed off to get ourselves in the place where when the chair comes around, we'd be in position to sit down and, and up the slope we'd go. The problem was that when we pushed off, I lost my balance. So instinctively, I threw my arms out, which meant that I knocked this poor girl next to me backwards and uh, into the snow behind me somewhere. Well, the good news was she was okay. bad news was they had to stop the lift so everybody could see what happened and who it was that caused it, you know. Well, the lift operator walked over and picked her up, dusted her off. That loser, I'll tell you. And so he dusted her off, and, and then he put me on the chair, uh, you know, the first chair, and then uh, she ended up on the chair behind me. Well, up the lift we went, and after a while on the chair, I started to regain my composure, looking out at, you know, snow-capped mountains and Lake Tahoe off to the side. <clears throat> I could see why this sport was so alluring for people. And then it was then, about that time, that I heard her yelling at me, Get off! (laughs) Get off the chair! Well, I I looked down and saw that I'd passed by this hump that I... guess I was supposed to get off on, and so I obviously missed it, and by the time I figured all this out, I realized I'm about 10 to 12 feet up in the air, and I'm headed up towards the peak. <laughs> so I did what every beginning skier does. I panicked, and then I jumped. <clears throat> <laughs> I... Somebody in the last service said, you didn't really jump, did you? Yeah, I I jumped, I did. (laughs) Pretty proud of that. I I landed in this heap in the snow just as she was getting off the chair. Now, unfortunately, she missed me, but the person behind her did. (laughs) She just plowed right into me, skis and poles sprawling all over the place. I noticed that the next several skiers that got off the lift skied well, well away from me. Because, you see, they knew who I was. <laughs> They'd seen me down below. I was the guy knocking everyone out on the way up, on the way down. Well, if I was smart, I would have just stayed on the ground or gone and had a hot something or rather to drink. But I didn't, and I spent more time on my face that day than on my skis. By the time it was all done, I was pretty beat up, bruised, cold, discouraged, and didn't feel like I wanted to ski anymore. Well, 
Prayer can feel sometimes that way for us. Maybe you've prayed so much about something that you've just grown tired about it and don't want to pray anymore. Maybe you're discouraged this morning. Prayer doesn't seem to be changing anything in your life. Maybe it's an illness or a relationship, a decision that you need to make, and God just seems silent. Maybe for you, prayer has become a mystery or a chore or a bore. You're not sure how it works, and you really aren't interested in getting it out anyway. Kind of sounds like a bad Christmas present. Prayer, for some of you, you may just need some instruction and and someone to get your tips pointed down the hill. Because ultimately, prayer is a rush. And that's what Jesus wants us to discover in this passage this morning. Now, the context of the passage is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is up on a mountain with some of his, uh, many of his closest friends and acquaintances, some he actually doesn't even know. And these people all came up to, to hear him teach. And what he's teaching about is a, a new way, a new kind of life that we get to experience when we follow him. And prayer is the key which unlocks that experience for us. So listen again to what Jesus says. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who searches finds, and, the knock, and, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened to them. Now, there's a progression there. Ask, then search, then knock. Let me show you what I mean. Now, um, a few years ago, I was in Guatemala City with uh, one of our short-term mission teams, uh, the Journey with a Village team, and um, we were lost. Now, I, I realize this isn't a very good advertisement, uh, promo for short-term mission teams, so, uh, but just hang with me. It turns out good in the end. So uh, we were in this car, and uh, we were sort of part of a, of a line of cars. We were the last car in the line, and uh, we had to stop at this traffic light. All the others made it through the light and uh, didn't look back. Thank you very much. So uh, we were now separated from uh, the rest of the group. Now, we all knew the name of the city we needed to get to. It's just that we didn't have any directions, and it turns out none of us really knew how to speak Spanish anyway. <laughs> So uh, this was our plan. We found somebody and asked him in the best Spanish we could muster up, excuse me, where is Antigua? Not very complicated. And the answer we got, certainly we couldn't understand most everything this guy had to say, but we could understand finger pointing. So we drove off in that direction until it seemed like we had to pull over and find somebody else. Excuse me, where's Antigua? That direction. Well, you know, it worked. It worked, and uh, we got there probably about an hour or two after the rest of the team arrived, but we pulled up to the hotel that's surrounded by the security gate, knocked on the door until they opened it up, and in we went. Ask, search, knock. There's a progression there. And what Jesus is telling us in this passage is that in the, the life that we experience in Him, prayer is a way where we find, our, uh, we find the way home. Prayer helps us find the way home. Now, there's really no specific formula that Jesus is giving us here, asking for things, searching for answers, knocking on on heaven's door. That's all about the same thing. It's about prayer. 
And his point is that prayer naturally, just because of what prayer is, it naturally draws us slowly into a deeper intimacy, a greater relationship with our Heavenly Father. Prayer removes God from the shelves of mystery in the libraries of our mind and places Him on the table of discovery where we get to access the pages of His will and of His purpose, of His power, of His majesty and might. Prayer helps us understand God, and prayer makes Him a little more knowable. Ask, search, knock. It's a progression, and it helps us find our way to God. Now, some of us here this morning may be in a different place. Uh, You may be in a place of anxiety or self-promotion or a sense of selfish pursuits. Maybe you've been living in a place where alcohol or gambling or or, uh, rage or something else has corroded the spirit within you. Maybe it's that life for you has become unsatisfying and you're yearning, you're hungering for something to fulfill. Jesus, through this passage, is inviting us to come home. Home. Home to a place of peace and serenity. Home to a place of intimacy with God, our Heavenly Father. Home to a place of fulfillment and a, and a sense of an awareness of forgiveness and purpose in life. Prayer helps us find the way home. That's the first thing that Jesus wants us to know in this text. Now listen again to the text. Ask, and it will be given to who? Those who really, really deserve it? No. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and Who will find? The best, the brightest, the morally pure? No, you will find. Knock, and and who will the door door be open to? It will be open to you. You see, at a very simple level, the second thing Jesus wants us to know in this text is that prayer is for you. And ultimately, prayer changes us. Now, a friend of mine told me about a leadership conference he was at where a young woman got up and spoke about her life as a foster child. That was a very young girl. This woman, uh, this, uh, woman had been separated from her sisters and uh, placed and shuffled from foster home to foster home to foster home. She became angry and depressed and withdrawn. Now, a church in the area started a ministry for foster parents and helped them learn how to model the love of Jesus for foster kids turned out that this girl was placed in one of those homes where a parent had been trained to love with the love of Jesus Christ. Well, you can be sure, she said, that she tested her foster father in every way imaginable. But his patient understanding and his love for her never failed. And it wasn't long at some point in time where she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Now, Sometime later, a couple of years later, when this girl was now a teenager, her foster mother went to a bank in a different city to cash a check that was written out in the foster girl's name, this teenager's name. The teller looked at the name on the check, commented about the name, and asked the woman if she were this girl's mother. When the teller learned that this woman was actually the foster mother, then the teller had a few other questions, general questions about the girl, about her sisters, and once the foster mother had responded, the teller just lit up. She said, I know this girl. I was her Sunday school teacher when her foster parents at the time brought her to my class. 
she was troubled and uh, her family ended up leaving the church after a couple of months. But I have been praying for her ever since. Isn't that amazing? I think one of the great things about that story isn't just that God answered her prayer, but it, it's that this Sunday school teacher got to be part of what God did. You see, that prayer turned out to be as much for the Sunday school teacher as it was for that foster girl. Because by praying for this child, the Sunday school teacher got to experience God's joy when she heard that the foster child's life had been turned around. And by uh, praying for this foster child, uh, this Sunday school teacher was better able to understand God's love for each and every one of us and how deeply God desires devotion to Him. Now, when we begin to experience prayer at that level, well, then prayer changes us. Prayer is for us. So through this text, Jesus has taught us that um, prayer helps us find the way home to deeper intimacy with God. The second thing he's showing us is that prayer is for us. It changes us. And the third thing from the text is that prayer is rebellion from the status quo. Now, uh, it's prayers for for people and the world around us. Looking again at this text, the words Jesus uses, they're, they're not sissy words. Ask really means demand. Search connotes the kind of meaning where you search and you keep on searching until you find the thing that you're searching for. And knock really means pound and plead. So you see, those aren't sissy words. Now Luke's gospel also has the same passage, ask, seek, knock. And then Luke uh, sort of includes this story that Jesus told to help his listeners understand the kind of asking, the kind of searching, the kind of knocking that he's talking about. And in that story that Jesus told, there's a man who uh, is visited by uh, a guest, unannounced, unexpected, and he's visited in the middle of the night. Well, the man lets the guest in, the guest is hungry, and turns out this friend doesn't have any food to feed his friend. Nothing in the cupboard, stores are all closed, So he went downstairs next door to the neighbors and knocked on the neighbor's door to ask for food. And guess what kind of knocking Jesus is talking about? The knocking, banging kind in the middle of the night that keeps knocking and that keeps banging and keeps knocking and keeps banging until the person actually gets up and comes downstairs and gives the guy what he wants. Now, why would that be? Because in that culture, having a hungry friend and not giving them something to eat was absolutely unacceptable. And good friends, being a good friend meant that you would do everything possible to find food for your guest. Now, the parable or the story really isn't about friends and neighbors and guests. Really what it's about is prayer. It's about the kind of persistent prayer that asks and keeps on asking, searches and keeps on searching, knocks and keeps knocking, Because the world that we live in has places of injustice, has places of poverty, has places of brokenness that in God's eyes are absolutely unacceptable. That's why prayer is rebellion against the status quo. It is to say these things are unacceptable. And so God uh, uh, changed this person or this place or this situation into being the kind of person or place or situation that reflects your kingdom, 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that's some kind of praying. There's a passion to that kind of prayer. Doug Coe tells a story of a friend of his who, uh, named Bob Hunter who <clears throat> talked to Doug one day and asked Doug if he really believed everything the Bible said about prayer and prayer's power and its ability to move in mighty ways. Doug, <clears throat> Doug's response was to offer Bob a $500 uh, bet that if Bob would just pray a simple little prayer like, God, help Africa, and if he would do this for 45 days, that was the challenge, then Doug assured Bob that he would see God work in mighty ways. If nothing happened, then Doug would give Bob $500. Well, Bob took the bet and began to pray that simple prayer, God, help Africa. After a couple of days, uh, Bob happened to be sitting at dinner uh, next to an elderly woman, and he began to talk with her and learned that she ran an orphanage in Uganda. And she then invited Bob to go to Uganda to meet the kids in this orphanage. Well, he did. And he was so deeply touched by the orphans there that he came back to the U.S. and began collecting clothes and toys for those orphans. He sent them to Uganda. Well, on his second trip to Africa, to Uganda, he was kind of honored by these children and and. Uh, where they could express then their gratitude for everything that he had done. While he was was there, he also got a phone call from the president of Uganda who'd heard uh, what Bob had done for this orphanage, and uh, he was anxious to meet with Bob to talk a little bit about Bob's work with this orphanage. So that afternoon, there's Bob in the back seat of the president's car, and they're driving uh, through the streets of Uganda, And uh, at one point, Bob looked out the window and he saw what looked like a stockyard filled with uh, all these people. So he asked the president who all those folks were. And he learned that those were the president's political enemies. So Bob said something bright like, Mr. President, you can't do that. You've got to let all those people go. You can't let them live in such terrible conditions. You can imagine it was a short conversation. (laughs) And uh, within... uh, few days, Bob was back in the U.S., but about a week later, Bob got a phone call from the State Department, and the voice on the phone said, uh, Mr. Hunter, on behalf of the government of the United States of America, I want to thank you for what you have done in Uganda. Now, Bob learned that the president of Uganda had just released all those political prisoners, which is something the government of the U.S. had been negotiating with this president from Uganda for quite some time. Uh, And the president of Uganda gave the reason for his release as attributed to a conversation that he'd had with Bob in the backseat of his car that day in Uganda. Well, after praying a simple prayer, God help Africa, for 45 days, Bob Hunter sent Doug Cole a check for $500. He lost the bet. During the next, uh, or by praying that simple prayer for 45 days, God help Africa, Prayer helped Bob find God in a deeper, more intimate way, experience friendship with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And by praying that prayer, God help Africa, God changed Bob, giving him a greater faith and a deeper compassion for the people in Uganda. And by persevering in his prayer, God help Africa, Bob cried out against the way things were in Uganda 
and kept on crying out until he got to see God do some pretty cool things. Now, during the next 30 days, I want to issue you and give you a similar challenge. I want to challenge you to pray every day for the next 30 days and just see what God will do. See if, if He won't draw you into a deeper intimacy with Himself. See if He won't in some way change you. See if He won't in some way use your prayer to change the people and the world around you. A challenge for 30 days. Now, there are a lot of different patterns to prayer. Uh, and if you're looking for a pattern, then, then I'd invite you to use one that I use. Look up, look in, look out. And it only takes 15 minutes. So to look up in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, to look up towards God, and then in ad- adoration, to think on the greatness of God, to, to um, just think about how incredible it is that the Creator of the heavens and the earth wants to be in relationship with you and invite you to be one of His children. Then thanksgiving. Name the things for which you're thankful, things that God has given you and you want to return thanks to Him. Adoration and thanksgiving. It's part of looking up towards God. Then look in. In your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, look in towards yourself to examine yourself. Invite God into that process. And so in a spirit of confession, tell God about the things that you're sorry about doing that are standing outside of His will. Ask for and receive His forgiveness. Ask Him for the mind and the heart of Jesus Christ. Then dedication. Review the larger vows that you've taken in your life as a husband, as a wife, as a leader, as an employee, as, as, as a, someone who works in the church. Review those vows and ask God into those to help you fulfill those vows. Then through the course of the day, remind yourself of that. That's looking in, confession and dedication. And then finally, look out. Look out toward the people and the world around you. Intercession. Talk to God about the things you're concerned about. Pray for people in a different place who maybe don't know God and never even heard about Jesus. Then relinquishment. Place everything you've just prayed about in the loving hands of Jesus Christ. Trust Him with those things and walk away. His will be done, not your will be done. Finally, listen. Write down some of the thoughts that are dashing across uh, your mind. Maybe a scripture that you're thinking of at the time. Ask yourself, what might God be saying to you at that point in time? Do this for 30 days. The next 30 days, each day, do this and see what happens. Because you see, we are what we pray. And the temperature of our prayer determines the temperature of our faith. The scope of our prayer determines the scope of our heart and of all of our actions. Prayer places us in the midst of a movement, which is nothing less than the advance of the kingdom of God. Prayer helps us to see God, uh, to see as God sees, to love as God loves, to act as God acts. As our prayer life goes, so our earthly life goes. Now, you know, it's been said that when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. God works 
to help us, bringing us into a closer relationship with Himself. God works to change us. God works to change the world and the people around us. That is the asking and the searching and the knocking that Jesus is talking about in this passage. And that is why prayer is a gift that keeps on giving. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this gift of prayer. For, Lord, for the way that we meet and encounter You in the midst of prayer. So, our Father, we pray that You would give us a a greater relationship with You, a deeper intimacy, and that, God, in prayer, You would change us, and that, God, You would change the people and the world around us. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.